0: So certainly I would say procrastination, self-doubt, worry as well. Worry can be really um, destructive on occasions. Um, The other one that's really common is overwork, not knowing when to switch off. You know, it's easy to switch off when you have to get up at your desk because they're shut in the office, but when your office is your home, you know, how easy is it to, to close that down? And that constant overwork, that constant kind of racing can, you know, have an effect on us if we don't, if we aren't aware of it, to do something about it. goal isn't to live forever the goal is to create something that will
1: welcome to perspective a podcast for wedding craves where we sit down often with a special guest and talk about our many years of experience in the wedding industry so that you can learn from us and to help grow your wedding business We've spoken before about the importance of physical exercise and strength for the jobs that we do on a previous episode of the podcast. We've also spoken about the benefits of community and bolstering mental health. But today we're going to be focusing more on that mental health aspect as we speak to cognitive behavioral therapist Andrew Duffy. We'll be chatting to Andrew about psychotherapy and the concepts behind the practice of CBT as well as furthering our own understanding of the connection between our thoughts and feelings all with the goal of better learning what makes us tick. If you've ever felt anxiety or stress because of your work as a wedding supplier, you're not alone but being able to recognize our own mental bad goes a long way in gaining control in those times where we feel like spiraling out. We're not just going to be talking concepts and theories on today's episode, as Andrew's going to run us through some practical techniques we can all imply in our daily lives to steadfast our minds, something especially important during this lockdown period. This episode is, of course, sponsored by With Jack, but I will go into that a little bit later in the show. However, Greg, I know you've been dying to tell us about your beer, so what are you drinking?
2: We're recording slightly later in the day than we have been previously, so I've took a leaf out of your book. I've got... Little Arms Big Hugs. It's from, I think the brewery's Staggeringly Good Brewery from Portsmouth, yeah. I
0: think. I just, mm-hmm, I just mm-hmm, like the mm-hmm. name
2: and the, lo- the sort of can Little Arms Big Hugs. In a strange new world where we're all forced apart, here's our little way of still sharing the love. Aw. That's cute. Aw. That so it's cute. like It's a really amped up version of their sort of normal IPA. This one's been, like, dry uh-huh. hopped. So it's really Ooh. juicy and nice fruity sort of hoppiness to it. Yeah. Is it quite bitter because of the hops? No, 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 it's not bitter.
1: Mm, okay, cool. I was going to say, are you? I know you're a sucker for packaging and stuff. Is it got a good can design then? Is that what drew you to it?
2: It was more so the name. The, the can, okay. it's like... a. Cup, it's like a monster's hands gripping round the can. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'll give this a wee taste. And how, and,
1: and how dare you apply that I'm an alcoholic. That's ridiculous, <laughs> Greg. I, I am, however, drinking it. a beer. <laughs> I, I am drinking a, a Brewdog Dead Pony Club.
2: Solid so, choice.
1: Yes, yes, indeed. Um, Andrew? Yes. Hello. How Hello. are you drinking?
0: Well, I feel a little bit gutted because I was warned that you did this at the start of the podcast, um, and that you are coffee for want of a better <laughs> word, snobs.
1: <laughs> where we oh oh snobs. <laughs>
0: Of which I am very much. In the car.
1: Yeah, I suppose that would be accurate. Actually,
0: <laughs> <laughs> so I went with coffee, but I'm kind of gutted now because uh, yeah, lockdown rules on a Friday afternoon would suggest alcohol definitely. But um, yeah, oh, I was oh, no. with my coffee just now, which is a uh, one of those um, eco cap pods from Lavazza. Um, so just acting as fuel okay. at the moment, really.
1: Yes, indeed. Cool. Do you take milk in your
0: coffee usually or? Oh, no, no, black all the way. Definitely. No, just black. Just, just oh, as intended. Oh, Man of life. my
1: heart. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, good stuff, good stuff. <laughs> so, um, uh, podcast listeners, I don't know if you remember a while ago, we were speaking to wedding planner, um, Kat Duthie, uh, who operates, uh, Finna Flukera. Andrew is her husband. And, uh, if you do remember, uh, she recommended us to speak to Andrew regarding mental health, which I think, in today's society, the lockdown pandemic, I, I think, is all too um, important for us to consider. But yeah, how, how has your week been in general, Andrew?
0: Yes, good, thanks. As you can imagine, it's um, quite busy at the moment. Um, but mm. in the industry that I work in, that's a, that's a good thing because it means we can talk to more people and, and help more people. Um, mm-hmm. Where I am working from home, but I do like my home comforts, So um, that's not bothered me too much (laughs) at the moment. Um, But Mm -hmm. all my normal um, therapeutic work has moved on to the kind of online platform. So using kind of video conferencing and phone calls. So it's taken a bit of time to adjust to that. But um, yeah, we're getting there and I'm, I'm managing not to cut people off. So it's all good.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's. All, I, I always find that's a difficult skill to learn when you're uh, when you start socialising online.
0: Exactly. <laughs> it's, there's a few false starts.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I find it quite difficult because one, I talk really fast, and two, I probably don't stop talking that often. And Greg can't give me the eye to signal when I'm <laughs> doing that. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> online, it's just a bit chaotic. <laughs>
0: yeah, I yeah, can't just Absolutely. give you that elbow yeah. nudge like. I <laughs> <laughs> mean sort of flag signals or something on screen like do it yeah
1: <laughs> you've been all right in general haven't you Greg during this lockdown
2: yeah I mean I think like everybody there's good days and bad days you I just I want to get back into the office get the routine of going in every day get the community of seeing everyone and having that sort of friendship bouncing off each other but yeah there's other days where it's just like yeah, this is fine. I can do what I need to do on the computer at home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how about yourself?
1: I knew you missed me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm good. Um, I feel like I'm getting over the stage where I was uh, using uh, food and alcohol to um, help on an emotional level because uh, I, I feel like I'm quite a obsessive kind of personality so i kind of latch on to things for comfort and often it's food and alcohol so i feel like i've i'm over that stage that being said i just i did just buy a huge amount of beer uh which is yet to be delivered so we'll see how that goes
0: yeah it's very common <laughs> i, I, I get to see it as well.
2: yeah i got a big mm-hmm. delivery of brew dog stuff for my birthday from my brother-in-law and then mm-hmm. the day before that i had just bought some dry gate beers so I've got like two or three different deliveries mm-hmm. of beer in the last week. So I've got a very well stocked fridge.
1: That's got to fill your entire fridge, surely.
2: The beer fridge, yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, you've you have a beer fridge. Oh, that's next level, Greg. Do you have a beer fridge, Andrew? Is it, is this something I'm missing out on?
0: Well, I am going on to buy a beer fridge tonight. <laughs> after that comment. <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah, genius idea,
1: <laughs>
2: Greg. Can you recommend Andrew a beer fridge? <laughs> <laughs> just any whenever your fridge breaks, just put that one in a shed somewhere and use that.
0: Oh. That, that, sounds, that sounds fair to me. Yeah,
1: <laughs> that that's quite responsible, Greg. Well done. Well done. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Andrew, have you uh, uh, do you, do you talk to a lot of patients? Still, is it is it? Are your days quite busy with with talking to people?
0: Um, yes, definitely. Um, I do a, a kind of combination mm-hmm. of um, kind of client work um, and teaching. Mm-hmm. Um, for the client work, although it has quietened down a lot, um, there is a, a huge amount of benefit to actually meeting somebody in person um, and the kind of work mm-hmm. that I do because um, it creates that safe space where you can really explore stuff. Um, and that's taken away slightly when you're only online so maybe slightly slower in, in terms of um, the amount of people that i can talk to um, but people are gradually getting used to it i've noticed in the last you know three or four weeks people are becoming more natural it feels more comfortable just to kind of chat online because they're doing it elsewhere with kind of friends family work colleagues and things so um mm-hmm. it's getting better um, and it's keeping me busy yeah.
1: Um, so one question that we actually like to ask on the podcast I don't know maybe Kat warned you about this Okay. however just in your words who are you and what do you do
0: okay Um, well my name is Andrew and um, I well I'm married to Kat for those of you who know her who's a wedding planner in the industry Um, and over the last eight years or so I have been retraining um, to become a CBT therapist um, it was a kind of midlife crisis point where I decided I wanted to to jump off the corporate ladder and do something with a bit of meaning behind it. Um, so I went down the route, did lots of, of study um, and I now work as a CBT therapist and um, practicing out of a place in the middle of Glasgow called the Glasgow Cognitive Therapy Centre. Um, and yes, I, I worked there seeing clients with all sorts of um, things that they want to talk about and I also teach there as well for the the next batch of would-be therapists and counsellors that are looking to train Um, and yeah, I married a cat we've got a dog called Floki which um, yeah, keeps me busy who I love very much. Are you you a Vikings fan? I I am indeed yes, yes, and I would like to take... um, (laughs) It was me that <laughs> named her after Floki and Vikings, who's my favourite character. Mm. So um, yes, I, I I'm taking all yes. the, the kudos for that one.
2: He's, he's a lovely lovely dog as well. He popped in with Kat to the office one day. Yeah.
0: Yeah, she is full of energy. Um she wants to be everyone's best friends, which is always <laughs> exciting when you're out walking, especially in the these two meter. Distance <laughs> conditions that we live in at the moment. <laughs> There's a lot of pooling and begging yeah. and bribing with treats. Mm. <laughs> but yes, we're, we're getting there.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so I, actually, I should thank you because um, I know, well, Is your website up and running yet, your new one?
0: No, it's not yet. Um, It's in the process um, at the moment, hopefully, um, over the next month or so, Uh, I'll actually get that up and running, yes.
1: So, uh, yes, actually, thank you because, obviously, we like to do a little bit of research on our guests um, in order to ask good and relevant questions, but uh, you actually did send me quite a lot of information over, so I do really appreciate that. It made my job for pre-production a whole lot easier. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I actually know quite a lot about you now, but I'm going to play dumb a little bit just for the people listening because they might not know you. Um, So how did you actually get into this field of therapy then?
0: Well, it started off, I um, was doing a a degree, a psychology degree with the Open University and there was a module within that degree that looked at counselling. Um, and it was only essays and a few things that I had to send away but it was quite interesting and I got on quite well with the the tutor Um, so off the back of that, once I finished my degree I thought you know what, I'd like to explore this a little bit Um, so I went into a course at Strathclyde University um, which kind of is like a a first aid course for therapy if you like it kind of teaches you how to listen kind of retrains you how to listen Mm -hmm. properly as I was doing that and I, I really enjoyed it, I met such a huge wide range of different people that I've never met in normal life that were also training with me and as I was doing that quite bizarrely I happened upon a YouTube video which is only four minutes long and it's mm-hmm. called The Conditioned and um, if you get a chance to see it it's one of Oprah Winfrey's um, Super Sunday podcasts or something I think and it had a really mm-hmm. profound effect to me which is strange because normally I don't react to things like that but there was something very powerful about this this small video which talked about a homeless man and his reconnection with society by talking to people that passed him every day and I think that mm-hmm. in combination with the kind of new skills I was learning was the kind of turning point where I thought actually there is something quite almost magical about the fact that when people are in having a tough time or are struggling yes there's medication and things that people can do but also just by the power of communicating with somebody and talking to somebody, something really powerful can happen and you can actually make change, which previously was, was really difficult to, to do. So that whole kind of combination yeah. of factors kind of hit home and basically persuaded me to go on and do a master's um, in CBT therapy. Um, and I then joined the organization where I trained in, Glasgow Cognitive Therapy Centre, and have worked there ever since so and um, yeah it was quite mm-hmm. a strange story you know kind of later on story but I definitely go with the philosophy that especially in this field it's good to live a bit of life first before you do something like this and um, just to get a good rounded picture uh-huh. of things. so that's my excuse for my late start uh-huh. all right is
1: that is that just to help with perspective on certain issues or is that just you're able to exactly I think
0: one of the, the toughest bits to, to learn when you first begin um, to train um, is to kind of move away from what we all naturally do when we listen. Um, I, as I'm constantly reminded, <laughs> like to problem solve and you know come up with solutions and ideas for what might work, and what might not, and that's not always the best thing to do. Um, so it's nice to kind of train to actually listen and understand exactly the world that your speaker inhabits, um, and therefore, I think having that lived-in life experience just for me, it helps slow me down. It helps ground me a little bit and reminds me that you know somebody could be talking about a situation which I've had a similar one to. That the reactions will be very, very different. But having that experience in the past myself just gives me that idea that you know what um, I, I can understand the kind of feeling that this, will, that this might cause. And I want to listen more to find out, you know, how it's affecting my speaker, if you like.
2: Do you think Do you think that life experience also sort of... Try, do you think it gives a client more confidence in the sort of feedback that they're getting from you, knowing that you've got more life experience than, say, someone who's just young,
0: fresh out of uni? Exactly. I, th- I think it does does help and um, not with everybody but yeah generally speaking i think you know everybody has this idea when if you want to go into therapy which i would recommend everybody does regardless of the situation but i'm biased <laughs> but you know everybody's this idea <laughs> a freudian character sitting behind the sofa a big beard smoking a pipe um but there is an element to that in terms of maybe just life experience and you know this perception of wisdom almost which comes out But in reality, the the actual therapy and using today's techniques um, isn't really about advice. It's not about trying to fix the problem. It's it's using a lot of of research um, and time just getting to know the person in front of you um, so that you're kind of walking side by side to take on things that are happening or events that have happened as opposed to a kind of teacher-student type scenario.
1: Yeah, so uh, you, obviously you mentioned that four-minute video, The Conditioned. Uh, Greg will link it in the show notes below. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so if anyone wants to check it out. I actually really enjoyed the video as well. Uh, I thought it was a pretty cool story. Quite inspirational as well. Uh, just So for the people who maybe don't know, what is
0: CBT? Yeah, okay. So CBT, if you like, is a type of therapy. Um, there are different types that you can go to, but CBT is one that's kind of based around a lot of kind of scientific principles and research that have, have gone on to try, where people try to figure out how the mind works. Um, it stands for cognitive behavioral therapy, which is a fancy term. Cognitive just means the way you think, and behavioral is obviously the way you behave. But when you put these factors together, um basically you can start to understand sometimes how we can get caught in kind of small traps, if you like, or, or thought traps. So we basically, mm-hmm. it's a way of basically changing, well, first of all, spotting and changing kind of thought patterns that may be creating a kind of negative influence on the way you act or, you know, your actual emotions themselves. And most of us don't realize yeah. that the starting point to any kind of negative experience we have comes from our thoughts. Um, but these thoughts are automatic, so we have no control over them. And there's lots of them. How would you say... Quiz here. <laughs> How many thoughts do you think you have in brain? Ooh.
1: Um, now, is this like me activating my brain and thinking about a point? Or is this like all the kind of minute details that you maybe aren't, Thinking of, or more subconscious.
0: Yeah, just if thinking about it is just kind of um dialogue in your head. If you like, it might not be a, a conscious thought to do something, but Di- just a thought that's popped up, okay. popped into your head. Yeah.
1: Ooh, dialogue in my head. Ooh, now that I have kids, quite a lot. Uh, <laughs> a thousand. I'd go way higher. <laughs> okay. 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 I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued. I not know the answer. Ah.
0: The average person in the UK has between seventy and 100,000 thoughts a day.
1: Oh, dear Lord, I'm way off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and that's... <laughs> and okay, that, wow. That's this constant stream through your subconscious, all these thoughts bombarding you. Now, a lot of them you won't notice. There'll be things like, you know, if your listeners are listening to this podcast, it will be like, where's his accent from? Or is he loud enough? Or, you know, when oh, I'm a wee bit uncomfy. I'll just position myself in the seat. Differently. So they, they cover a whole spectrum, but there's a hundred thousand of these during our waking moments. And often some of those are negative. But just like these thoughts about the temperature that you're in or what you're hearing, these negative ones slip in under the radar and you may not notice that they're there. But what they do do is mm-hmm. trigger a, a series of events, a kind of cyclic of events. Um, which affect both your emotions and your behaviours, and those you very are much aware of. Um, So with CBT, what we try to do is say, okay, no matter what situation you've got, let's begin by really looking at what's happening to you in a very detailed way. So we record things like thoughts and emotions and when they happen and at what time of the day, and we get a a gradually a better picture of what actually is happening to us. Um, and from ah. there we look to instigate change or to try different different things out. Um it's it's a very it, it comes from it's kind of stoic type thing almost originally. Um I've got to geek out uh-huh. okay. here, so apologies um and this But there's I, <laughs> I
1: love it, I love it when people geek out. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. Go for
0: it. I do enjoy a quote. <laughs> so um there I was a
1: Oh,
0: that's good. I've got a few. It's <laughs> <laughs> good, good stuff. So there's a, a Greek Stoic philosopher called Epictetus um, who lived way back in 50 AD. And He was a teacher and philosopher di- back then. And um, One of his quotes is, it's not what happens to you, it's how you react to it that matters. And that's very much how CBT works. We can't control many of the events that happen to us. We certainly can't control the thoughts that we have. But what we can do is learn to recognise when these things happen and put different things in place so that we maybe don't have the horrible emotion or horrible behaviour that is the consequence of these thoughts rolling through your head. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, very much so. I Actually, when I was doing my uh, little bit of research, I found a quote from uh, Marcus Aurelius, mm-hmm. uh, who was a Roman emperor, I'm sure, <laughs> after last week's episode when Greg commented his favorite movie was Gladiator. That's mm-hmm. the same Marcus Aurelius, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, his quote, his quote was, uh, very little is needed to make a happy life. It is all within yourself in the way of thinking. In your way of thinking, sorry.
0: Yeah, it's it's very much like that. And it's a different way of looking at the world when our minds are these fantastic machines that can, you know, send us to the moon and it can, you know make us kind of write books and novels and sing songs, et It's highly, It's a highly skilled piece of equipment. But when it comes down to keeping mm. us safe, it is daft as a brush. And it is very, very basic. It goes right back down to our kind of primitive instincts. Um, and what is a good thing or what we can teach people to do is to recognize when our brain is in that primitive mode and just understand that it's not there to battle against. It's there to be compassionate with and just to notice that, yeah, my brain is making me feel this way at the moment. And that's understandable. It's trying its best. But with that knowledge, we can go on and, and change the way I'm, I'm thinking about this particular incident.
1: You mentioned, I actually can't remember the exact words you used, but essentially uh, bad thoughts. Yes. What would be an unhealthy or a bad or a negative thought that yeah. most people would have?
0: Yeah, totally. So we, we, we like we like to kind of throw names and all sorts of things at them because it makes us sound important. But <laughs> we label these things, bad thoughts, as negative automatic thoughts. And the automatic part is okay. key here because you can't stop bad thoughts. Um, and any attempt to do so is just futile. There's, there's no point in trying. Um, but these bad thoughts are really, really common. Um, a, an example might be that you... Um, forget to send an email to a client that you promised you would send at five o'clock an automatic negative thought off the back of that was i can't believe you're so stupid and you've forgotten to do that what an idiot yeah um so these are automatic thoughts that just whip into our head and you know can cause us difficulty um i'll give you an example if if you want me to pick on somebody (laughs) okay so yeah absolutely um, Greg, imagine you are walking down the street, okay, and okay. Simon is walking up the other side of the street, okay, and you wave at him, he looks straight at you, turns around and carries on walking and completely ignores you. As you pass by, what would be going
2: through your head? I would, I would start to think that for some reason, like, why doesn't he want to talk to me? Has mm-hmm. he fell out with me? Have I done something wrong
0: in the past? Yeah, These sort of things. Yeah, exactly. So those are examples, if you like, of some of those examples could be perceived as negative because you automatically think, have I done something to offend him? Um, did something happen? Um, and those negative thoughts can, you know, something as simple as walking down the street and waving at somebody can affect you for a period of time afterwards. So you may think once you carried on, hmm, I wonder if i have upset. I wonder if I should um drop an email maybe i'll maybe i 'll wait a bit um, or if it's somebody that you didn't know as well, you'd maybe you know feel a wee bit more uneasy about getting contact with them again because your automatic thoughts are instantly going, "Oh, something is wrong, something is untoward. was it me um, and so it starts yeah. the cycle of events which could change your emotion um and therefore your behaviour in terms of how you get in contact with people um, or um, or Greg. So, yeah, this, um, this idea that these little negative thoughts can just snowball on something so simple as walking past somebody in the street, that can happen again and again and again, especially for people that are working from home um, or are self-employed or maybe, you know don't have as much contact with other people that you would do in an office environment. When you're in your own space and you're in your own head, these thoughts can become quite repetitive. And if they're repetitive, they can kind of form into habits a little bit. Um, I heard this amazing analogy the other day about it, which actually I think is really cool, and I'm going to be stealing it and using it. But it's like a record player that's the needles kind of going around the grooves of of a record. I know it's quite old school, <laughs> but um, vinyl record, the r- needle's going round. But over time, you get a of dust on your record if you don't look after it or maybe carrying your ra- record about, it gets damaged. And occasionally that needle will skip and it will jump um, and a wee bit of the song might keep repeating. Um, that's a bit like your mm. thoughts. That bit where something happens and your negative thought kicks in and suddenly you're in this little habit Well, you will maybe go and get another beer from the fridge or go and say, oh, you know what? I'll just, I'll stop. I'll go away from this. I'm no good at this at the moment. Um, and you'll ruminate and get a bit annoyed with yourself, but these habits keep on happening. And the more they happen, the more we believe that it must be true and there must be something wrong with us. Um, that was quite a long-winded reply to <laughs> a negative thought. <laughs> so. I, I bet you Greg liked that analogy of the vinyl
1: player because he's he's got a few vinyls. Yeah. I've
2: got <laughs> a stack of them right behind me. <laughs> so <laughs> you obviously when you were studying, you chose yeah. to focus your studies on C B T and yes. you're now sort of working in that sort of realm. What how does it com- how mm. does C B T compare to other forms
0: of therapy that Are out there as well. Mm. So there are three. Well, there's loads, um, but there's three major approaches. Um, The most common is probably one called person-centered approach or a kind of humanistic approach. Um, And that's a very form that's that's very common. It's it's common with kind of counselling and counsellors. And there, what happens when you go to see a counsellor? You basically share your story. And together you build up a really kind of trusting, close bond with your therapist. And that feeling of kind of attachment and, um, you know, positive regards and kind of complete honesty, it's one of the few spaces in any form of therapy where you can just be completely honest and you're never going to be judged. That relationship that you build with the person in person-centred therapy is what allows you to move past the kind of roadblock that you've hit because in that sort of warm, comforting, kind of um, empathetic environment, you can you can grow yourself and you can figure out what's been going on. So that's the kind of humanistic side. Mm. There's also the psychodynamic side, which is the most common um, person in that is Freud. Um, you started this and that delves into all your kind of subconscious desires and your dream analysis and, you know, um, all these things that are bubbling below in your subconscious that might be affecting you. And it generally, if you go into your psychodynamic therapist, they will look back into your past and the relationship, your early relationships with kind of parent figures, carers, um, early friendships and see how those attachments that you made when you were young have developed into throughout life. Um, whereas CBT is a more here and now approach that says okay what's gone before is important but let's look at what's happened to you now and see what we can how we can adjust it now all three are are Mm -hmm. really good and a lot of time comes into personal preference what the person that that wants to talk to somebody prefers, you know um, in different conditions Mm -hmm. work better with, with different specialties but I'm a bit of a science geek. Um, I kind of love the idea of kind of (laughs) delving into what the mind can do. So I was naturally kind of drawn towards that kind of um, scientific kind of, you know, understand the mind type type role.
1: Yeah. Are there levels of trauma that CBT um, is good for tackling? Because obviously you've got like... I mean, you could have really bad thoughts, like suicidal thoughts, all the way down to, you know, general feeling down kind of thoughts. Absolutely, yeah.
0: Um, does,
1: does that make sense?
0: Absolutely. Like, can CBT range.
1: tackle all of those?
0: Yes, very much. So there's a whole range. Okay. So originally CBT was designed to um, tackle depression um, and low mood um, way back in 1950 when Aaron Beck kind of discovered it or, or designed Uh CBT approach. Um, But yes, I mean, from, you know, just going with a low mood or if you're stuck with, maybe if you're a procrastinator or if you, you know, find that you get very anxious or you worry a lot, from these kind of still painful Mm -hmm. conditions all the way up to Uh if you're feeling suicidal, if you um, have really troubling thoughts that make you want to do something that you don't want to do, um, or even all the way up to things like post-traumatic stress disorder, eating disorders, um, you know, the, the really um, you know threatening conditions that, that need immediate treatment. Whereas the medical profession can help you um, with a treatment program for these, um, there's also a place for therapy to work alongside that um, to help people understand their situation. So, yeah, it covers everything from maybe you just can't get out of a groove and you feel frustrated, or if you feel that you're a worrier, all the way up to if you've had a a life-threatening accident and you just can't get these images out of your head, you know, CBT is a great Mm. vehicle to work alongside other things to to help make sense of it and help relieve some of the symptoms.
1: I've heard quite often that say depression Mm. is like a, they they blame depression on like a chemical imbalance in the brain, Mm. and they have medication to offset that. Is that? I know these are quite deep topics. Is that true in and of itself, or does it need? Do you need to have therapy um, in order to cope with some of the processes that your brain does? Yeah, on a non-chemical level. Yeah, if there is such a
0: thing. So, I suppose the straightforward answer is nobody knows yet. Yeah. Nobody has really mm-hmm. uncovered the reason for depression. They're still trying to figure that out. Um yes, okay. the medical model, um, which is really important for some people, helps to relieve the symptoms of or some of the symptoms of depression and lift you up to a place where you can start to live your life again. And it's very important and for some people it's essential. I mean, things like bipolar disorder where you flip between Cases of mania and depression, you know, medication is essential there. CBT and, and therapy um, looks at depression in terms of how to help you get your mind out of that, that rut, if you like, how to change what's happening to you and, and see if you can kind of come out the other end. Um, and they, they can work alongside each other. Or you can just use one or the other. And some people can rely on medication completely fine. And it's, it's good. Some people rely on therapy alone completely fine. Some people do a bit of both. Some people do nothing and, ju- and just wait it out. Although I would certainly recommend you know, speaking to somebody or, or at least a GP or a therapist if you do feel, mm-hmm. especially at the moment, if, you're, if your mood is dropping on a regular basis. Um, yeah. No one to kind of promote too many people here, but there's an amazing book called Lost Connections, if you're interested, um, which is by a, a journalist called Johan Harry, um, who kind of looks at kind of the causes of depression and anxiety from a kind of journalist's point of view. Um, and it's a fascinating read. It's, okay. it's, it's really worth, if, you, if you've got a moment, um, you know, it's, it's definitely worth a we read in terms of just what they're discovering can cause, you know, depression. But the, the basic answer is that, Nobody really knows yet. And the kind of chemical imbalance side was really common in the kind of 70s, 80s, into the 90s as well. It's a chemical imbalance in your brain, so we just need to fix that. The whole kind of nature-nurture yeah. debate um suggests that it's actually a lot more complex than that. Um and so most people are moving away from that, that model of a chemical imbalance into it's events in the past. It's the way you think about things. It's what's happened to you and how you react to people around about you that might be just as influential as, you know, a kind of a medical condition in your, in your mind, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah.
2: Okay. We love a good book recommendation in this podcast. So that's good. We do. <laughs> so within, within CBT therapy, is there different methods of approaching these different sort of issues that people have or come to you with.
0: Oh yes, 100%. So from a CBT side it, it can be quite um these protocols built in for all these different um conditions. And there's a big weighty American um um book called the DSM-5 which is a kind of medical book which talks about all sorts of conditions and it looks at everything from um, of anxiety to depression to um, mania to all these different conditions um, and it basically tells you the treatment protocols that you should be using. So you're right in terms of if somebody is um, suffering from low mood and you go to see a CPT therapist, there are a certain set of rules that they will look to build treatment around um, and they will be different from somebody that maybe um, has something called social anxiety disorder where they don't want to go out and they don't want to to um, meet people in case they make a fool of themselves or in case they are judged in some way. Um, they, that would have its own set of, a kind of instruction manual in terms of how to begin working um, towards that. By seeing a therapist, though, they won't mm-hmm. simply just sit there and work through a list of things that you need to do with each separate condition. They'll get to know you as a person, um, so that using that as a general f- sort of framework, they can find the the differences to, to try and um, have the best effect on you as an individual, as opposed to just a person with low mood or a person that's anxious. Um, so yeah, th- there's different mm-hmm. aspects across the board, um, depending on you know what you need to talk to somebody about.
1: Yeah, I, I have to ask: Where did this misconception come from, whereby you're you're weak if you're uh, if you need therapy, or that you know therapy should be sought after only when like an issue arises? Like, yes. Where did that stigma come from? Because you 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 mentioned stoicism.
0: Yeah, I think it's um, it's it's a kind of strange thing. It's, it's almost like, and as well in the UK. In particular, it's quite a kind of this whole philosophy that seems to kind of seep through society that stiff upper lip and, you know, just keep calm and carry on. You know, it's a mask. It it covers this idea that if something doesn't feel right, we are allowed to do something about it. Um, And there's always been this kind of feeling that if there is something um, in your mind that's not making life as enjoyable as possible for you, it's some personal failure. Um, a great example that I heard was um, if a wee five year old um, is getting taught to brush his teeth. Um, somebody was telling me about this recently. And they, they stand up and they brush their teeth in the sink. Um, and while they're standing on this wee ledge to brush their teeth, they slip off, they fall, and they bang their knee. So, you know, the parent comes running up and goes, Oh, oh, are you okay? Are you okay? The child's crying and stuff. But the child knows that you need to put detal on the in the cut you need to put a bit of plaster in the cut and it's going to heal up and it's going to be okay and you can get on with brushing your teeth and you brush your teeth because good dental hygiene um will you know make life far more pleasurable for you um, going through life <laughs> and that's just drummed into us from a very early age but the mm-hmm. minute we have a problem with our minds this whole philosophy comes in that, oh, just sort yourself up, shake yourself off, you'll be fine, come on, just you know, stiff upper lip, get on with it, all's good. Um, but actually, that in itself means that you give yourself such a hard time for maybe feeling low in mood or feeling anxious or worried that you, you know, are nasty to yourself, which is the equivalent of that child falling off, banging their knee in their cut, and then just digging at the wound and making it worse. You know, this this idea mm-hmm. that there's something wrong with you. Well, your mind is just an organ exactly the same. Your brain, sorry, is just an organ exactly the same as your heart, your liver, your spleen, etc. Um And it deserves just the same treatment. And just like we go to a dentist every six months um, or three months, whatever it is, for a checkup, I personally think everybody should go see a therapist and just get that kind of fine-tuning, a kind of MOT for the mind because, you know, mm-hmm. everybody – could benefit from just having space and time to sit back and go, Okay, let's look at, you know, how I view things and is everything okay at the moment? I just think that a lot of people mm. seem to see it as a personal failing. When actually it's it's not if you broke your leg, you wouldn't tell somebody just to, you know, carry on, walk it off, you'll be fine. <laughs> you know, you would give them time to put it in a plaster to recuperate and then carry on. And it should be the same for the mind, I think.
1: Unless you're a Viking. Unless you're a Viking, in In
0: which which case, yep, out with the axe. (laughs) (laughs) You're you're losing that arm. (laughs) It's the best Carry on, (laughs) (laughs) yeah.
1: So um, I've I've got one of my favourite quotes here. I'm sure everyone's heard this before. If they are like a sports movie or, you know what, uh, who hasn't seen Rocky Balboa? Or Rocky? <laughs> exactly. Who hasn't seen a Rocky movie? <laughs> yes. Anyway, I, I, I want to get your thoughts on this. Okay. Because is he right when he says this? Okay. The world, and I'm rubbish at reading, so just bear with me. Uh, we, need the uh, we need the accent. The world in.
0: <laughs> I yes. can't
1: do it with the accent. Yes. I definitely <laughs> cannot do it with the accent. <laughs> the, world ain't all sun, the world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place and will beat you down to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody ain't going to hit as hard as life. But it ain't how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward.
0: That's a good one. All right. um, (laughs) Well... (laughs) <laughs> you yeah, put me on the spot here but I don't disagree with Rocky too much fun, but, you know.
1: a, I was going to say I realise I'm putting you against Rocky here <laughs> oh, so.
0: yeah. but he's going on a bit now um, you know so <laughs> I'm feeling comfortable enough true, true
1: he's slower you can maybe take him
0: <laughs> well, I mean, I'll play mind games with him Jedi tricks like that. that should be better <laughs> Yes. Um, well okay the yeah, in principle, there's an element lying underneath that that suggests that, you know, what has gone before has gone before and there's nothing we can do about it. And so just to keep moving forward and keep doing what you're doing. And there's a certain element to that that I quite agree with in terms of we can't change our past. What we can do, if we're looking at our past, is change the way we view it. Um, and not be so hard on ourselves, be be a lot more compassionate with ourselves the same way as we would with other people. In terms of life out there is horrible, yes, for many people, it is 100%. Um, and it's too easy for us to turn around and say, you know, oh, this is just this is really tough, this is rubbish, I'm, I'm doing terrible at this, it's this just problem after problem, or just to try and ignore it and kind of self-soothe by, you know, doing behaviours, smoking, drinking, partying, whatever, just to try and blank it out. Not that partying's a bad Mm -hmm. thing, but yeah, you know what I mean. Um, So I think, personally, the idea that everything out there is bad and you have to kind of punch your way through it is not necessarily true. In my experience... I've been humbled by a lot of the people that I sit opposite that have been through things that I could only imagine how horrible they must feel to deal with. And yet they come out the other end and they come out noticing things about the world that I have never stopped to notice. And the world can be quite a beautiful place as well as quite a horrible place. For me, yes, noticing that it's horrible and saying, you know what, take this COVID example, as an, you know, pandemic as an example, rubbish things happen mm-hmm. in this world and it's okay for them to be rubbish and it's okay for me to struggle to get through them mm-hmm. the difference is when I get to the other end you know I will keep going on but I don't necessarily need to punch my way through it I can just be happy with mm-hmm. what I've done because it's the best that I can do don't know if I would get the crowd cool. roaring in a boxing match <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> I may need to work on that, but <laughs> yeah. so I it would definitely work, make I them be. sit
1: back and pause for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um in doing the pre production, I obviously wrote a few questions, but no. I had written this before any of the Black Lives Matter yes. movement. I didn't want to bring it up in the podcast. It's okay. Because it's a complex yeah. um, discussion but I just wanted to say that in case someone interprets this question in the wrong way. Is the way we feel subject to the outside world or is it all in our heads?
0: Yeah, personally, and it's just a personal opinion for me, it's a mixture of the both. Mm -hmm. Um, Like or not, as a species, we are designed to live in communities. We are designed to be social. And those social connections that we make with the world, whether it's Family, friends, all the way up to much, much larger organisations, and all the way way up into the world as we know it. Mm -hmm. Yes, that there's that has an immediate effect on the way that we think, and we are built to think that way. In some circumstances, Um, you know, we yearn to be part of a group. So it's a mixture of the two between knowing that these outside forces, knowing that these external forces hold a huge influence over us, but also as we take these forces in, and a lot of them are kind of being drummed into us from an early age, that we can measure them against our own feelings, our own ways of thinking about um, situations and understanding that, yes, we're an individual and we're exposed to all this um, pressure from outside, but we have a choice of how we react to that as opposed to just you know, falling down that, that natural route of saying, well, it, this must be correct if this is happening externally. Um, so it's a mixture of the both as mm. far as I'm concerned, which I know sits in the fence a little bit, but I, I think it's generally just as important that external stuff and your subjective understanding of it um, work on the kind of two sides uh, of the same coin.
1: Why, why do people think the way they do? I know that is a big open question, but, (laughs) (laughs) like, what drives our thoughts?
0: Um, Lots of different things. Um, Basically, lots of it is just our lived life experience, okay? So we, from a very early age, our understanding of how we exist in a community and how we exist towards other people... um, is kind of reinforced, and that carries with us throughout our life, and we adjust that as we go. But that blueprint of who we are and what we think we are um, can be affected from a very early age by lots of external factors. Mm-hmm. If they're positive, great. We then take the time to say, okay, you know, we will now move forward and, and work on our own self-esteem and our own belief structures with this f- firm foundation. If these early experiences aren't quite as positive as we'd have hoped or, or they're very negative, they can mean that we lack that belief to, you know, create a sort of self-esteem or a feeling of security from ourselves. And both of those different things, as they move through life and all the events and all the different things that happen to us, we build up this, this um, blueprint of how we are and that affects how we think. You know, we create this narrative about ourselves all the time. And that, you know, can be very powerful to the extent that even when we're seeing something really obvious in front of us, if it doesn't fit our narrative, then we'll discount it. We'll ignore it completely and fall back into that narrative, which is why things like um, optical illusions are a great example. In terms of we see stuff that, you know, our brain will misinterpret in a different way purely because... Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're not expecting to see it like that. And it's the same with our thoughts. Um, So I think, and and another thing, genetics, you know, um, something that's not spoken about a lot, but the way we think can be heavily influenced by genetics and can run through families in terms of, you know, how we react to events. There's there's definitely evidence to show there's kind of genetic tracers for some of these things. So things like depression can run in the family, Mm. um, regardless of of what events are happening to you. So, yeah, Yeah. difficult to say. how, why we think but like we think. It's like a nature-nurture thing.
2: How can we sort of work on changing the way we think to affect how we feel?
0: Yeah. So to me, the, the first most important thing is compassion. That no matter what we're thinking or how we're feeling, you know, not to give ourselves a hard time for that. To say, this is just how it is. You know, this kind of, ex- kind of acceptance and commitment that, you know what? life is like this at the moment and I am doing the best that I can. And from that stage, we then start to say, okay, you know, can we look at how a certain event is affecting us? Um, And, you know, what's actually happening to us when, for instance, we get a rejection email through from somebody that we thought we were going to get business from or whether, um, you know, an an argument with a, a loved one or a partner or a friend Um, kind of leaves you reeling and you, you kind of you go away from it and you're kind of ruminating about it it's at those moments when we can say okay let's really look at what's happening here what are we thinking about what actual these negative thoughts that we spoke about earlier you know what thoughts are coming into my head once we can actually step back it's almost like moving away from yourself to watch and record all these thoughts can we turn around and say okay how realistic are these thoughts so um, you mentioned earlier, you're walking across the street and you know, walking past the street, you thought, oh, what have I done? Have I done something wrong? If that had continued and you would thought, you know, ah, I'm just, I'm useless at noticing these sort of things. What we would say is, okay, if we want to change our thoughts, let's take that one thought and let's say just how realistic is this thought? If this thought was in a court of law and, you know, you were the defendant defending that thought, And, you know, the judge was this purely stoic kind of like, nope, you know, you need to prove to me without any doubt at all that this fact is 100% truth. Could you do it? If you couldn't do it, then you know that that thought isn't necessarily true. And The big mantra in CBT is that thoughts are not facts. Um, Yet we all think they are because they've come from ourselves. So to change thoughts in answer to your question is about noticing what they are, and under the kind of microscope going, how actually realistic is this? I know I feel it's realistic. Emotionally, it feels real. But if I had to really put my life in the line and say, this is 100% correct, would it be? And if it wouldn't, we can change it. That's where the path opens up. Yeah.
1: Uh-huh. So so we can address how we think, which affects how we feel. Can we feel first, and that affects our head does it work the other way around
0: yeah i mean there's there's a kind of cycle if you like um that that runs through most of us and thoughts tend to be the initiator of these if you think about that the the top of a a large circle and if you move around the circle those thoughts create emotions um Uh. the emotions of feeling scared or angry or frustrated or um you know even positive ones loved whatever it is can then in turn affect your behaviour, which makes you do something. Mm-hmm. Um, and that behaviour in turn can then and feed back round into this 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 loop which also affects your physiology. So the way your body feels. Um, you know, if you get butterflies in your stomach when you're nervous, if when you're angry your chest tightens or you feel the kind of hair in the back of your neck, stand up. So these all interact with each other. Um, and a lot of the time the first thing you're going to be aware of is the emotion or is the physiology. So if you're having an argument with somebody, you're yourself tensing up in the neck, you know, that's what your attention goes, oh, hang on, something's happening here. But more often than not, they will come initially from that starting point of the thought. The only time where that's not the case is, not the only time, one of the times when that's not the case is when we've experienced something really quite scary. Um so if we've had a trauma or if we have a fright we don't have time to think about the thoughts so our brain bypasses it it's like a short circuit and it goes straight to emotion or straight to a physiological response to, to a kind of fight or flight mm-hmm. to get out of the situation and in those situations yeah, oh, yeah. there's no time for thought that's, that's our brain trying to look after us and trying to make us escape from the, the bear that's chasing us in the forest <laughs>
1: with jack was designed from the ground up and is tailored specifically for creatives whether you provide a service like design development or photography or offer advice to clients with jack is for you it's focused on creatives insurance shouldn't be complicated so with jack has made every step easy you'll deal with one form and talk to one jack as you sign up get covered and move on with your day With Jack, is all about bespoke insurance for creatives. Simple. That doesn't mean more forms or faff. It means less. It's not about endless features and stale service. It's about one solid policy and the personal touch. Bye-bye, unnecessary fuss. Hello, creative-friendly insurance. Be a confident creative. So when you sent me all that information, um, you mentioned a University of Maryland study... Yes. Uh, I thought it was quite interesting. Are you, c- c- can you can you tell our listeners about that?
0: Yeah, so it's, it's a, it's a, this one is, is quite an interesting one. So it was um, set in the University of Maryland in about 2001, I think. And they, they got all these students together and they said that they were going to do a kind of a puzzle test for them and time it. So they got one big group of students to come into a room and they gave them, you know, these paper mazes you used to get as a kid where you had to put your pen in the middle yeah. of this maze and draw it to get out the maze without lifting the pen off the paper. It was a bit like that. Um, oh. So one side had to say, right, okay, they had to get this, put the pen in the middle of the paper, draw it out the maze as quickly as possible. Now, one of the groups had to do this, and they had to pretend that they were a mouse. So they were told that there were a mouse in the middle of this maze, and you had to escape the maze as quickly as possible and at the end of the maze, if you got out, there was a huge, big, delicious lump of cheese. Okay. Um, and so the students busied themselves and tried to get that sorted. On the other group, in a different room, they had exactly the same maze. so There was no change in the maze. But they were told that there were a little mouse in the middle of this maze. And they had to get out the maze as quickly as possible because there was a big picture of an owl with outstretched talons coming down to eat the mouse. So they had to kind of get this um, mouse out of the maze as quickly as possible. Now both of the students solved it in about the same time, I think from memory about two minutes or something that it took for them to get this, this test done. But as with all psychology experiments, it wasn't actually the maze test that they were interested in. What they were interested in was what came after it. So after it, they did a separate test. Both of them did the same Test when they came out. It's kind of multiple choice thing, which um, looked to measure their creativity, how creative they were being and thinking. Now, strikingly, the students that were trying to escape certain death by this all coming down to eat it were fifty percent less creative than those that were heading towards the cheese a huge gulf in something as simple as just imagining yourself as a mouse. There's this massive big difference um, in how creative you could be. Now, the reason behind this, if you like, was that, as it turns out, if you are under threat, or if you feel under threat, or if you um, are in a situation which is scary, our brains quite naturally... Feel like it become blinkered they kind of say nope I need to focus on this situation to get myself out of it and in psychology terms they call these things aversion pathways where we go yes there's there's something wrong in this environment I need to just focus on, on getting out if you like and that closes down all um, our kind of lateral creative thinking all our kind of creative juices because we don't have time for that because we're in a situation where we need to get out of something quickly. And that's what they found, that even in this mm. Maryland study, you know, students that were just trying to, to escape an owl, that pathway had kicked in, so they were less creative. Their minds were already in a mode where they were saying, you know what, there's something, you know, things aren't great, let's just focus on, on getting stuff done. So when we can kind of bring that uh-huh. back out to our world, it, it can have quite major consequences.
1: Yeah. What were the effects on those Who 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 took part? Like uh, uh, you mentioned that they both set both teams completed the maze in the same same ish time. Yeah, yeah. So if they both did the same task at the same time, yeah, and doing the task was the important part, why is the creative aspect important?
0: Well, because if you think about it, those that were um, under threat under this perceived threat when they did it. The maze was the same difficulty. So, mm-hmm. in terms of how you do it, you know that just comes down to how good you are at mazes. So there wasn't much much kind yeah. of difference from that. But the people that were doing it under this perceived threat were actually activating this part of their mind that looks to kind of work under conditions of stress. And under these conditions of stress, when you're working, you do it. it's very difficult for your brain to be creative because we're focused on the immediate situation and that's what they found with this group that did the creative test afterwards they weren't in a creative frame of mind because you know their mind had been manipulated beforehand um mm-hmm. and generally speaking that's how if you look at today if you bring this back to today um you know we're all kind of cooped up in our houses um, with this kind of covid19 virus out there and um, we are all feeling mm-hmm. whether we like it or not quite under threat um, and even if we're following all the government guidelines, you know, the news is telling us, friends are telling us, Facebook is telling us that, you know, all these things are going on and it's scary out there. And that closes our minds. It's exactly the same as the students that drew that kind of um, pathway out the maze. Our minds are no longer in the mood to be creative. And um, so, especially in your industry where, you know, a lot of people, that is the bread and butter there. They are creative people. You're, know, they are going to find yeah. it tougher. Um, to be as creative as they normally are in this environment, without a doubt. And what mm. yeah. we would say is that's okay. You know, it's okay to feel like that. It's understandable. Yeah.
2: And thinking about sort of when suppliers then, when you've been working with creatives and sole traders, are there any recurring themes that you've sort of came
0: across with creatives? <laughs> yes, there are the kind of major ones that... Um, I would say that they do come up are procrastination is a big one. It can be very, very common. A kind of self-belief um, in terms of, you know, it's very easy in an office environment to kind of assume and judge where you are, but it's very difficult when you're a sole trader to, to really measure yourself against anybody. Um, and without that measuring stick, a lot of self-doubt can creep in. Um so certainly, I would say procrastination self doubt um worry as well worry can be really um destructive on occasions um if we get caught in this worrying cycle um and the only the other one that's really common is overwork, not knowing when to switch off um you know it's easy to switch off when you have to get up at your desk because they're shutting the office, but when your office is your home, you know how easy is it to to close that down um and that constant overwork that constant kind of racing can you know have an effect on us if we don't if we aren't aware of it to do something about it.
2: Mm-hmm. How can we sort of start to
0: recognize
2: these these habits then?
0: Well, generally speaking, um if I am working with with creatives um and whatever the condition, the first thing we want to do is really say okay, we're not going to try and change anything. We're not going to try and do anything different. Um because you know, if, if somebody just tells you to do something, the automatic reaction is, nah, I'll <laughs> you know, just carry on doing what's nice and safe and secure and what I've been doing for, for a certain length of time. So what I would recommend is just observe, chart down. Um, one of the things I, I ask creatives to do is just over a period of a day, um, you know, just get a wee um a jotter or a manual or something, um and scraps of paper, and just jot down what happens throughout your day. Um so, you know, when did you get up? What did you do? Um, you know, when did you take a break? If you took a break for how long was it? And just chart that out for a day just to get an idea of what we actually do in a day, because especially at the moment we're all kind of stuck indoors, many of us the days are kind of merging into one. Um It can be quite tricky. So chart down what you do for a day just to get a picture so at the end of the day you can step back, look at it, and go, okay, that was my day. Then the following day, do the same again, but this time just note down, live as it's happening, if you like, little thoughts that are crossing your mind during each of those periods. So you could be sitting trying to design a brief for a client, if you're thinking about if a certain thought pops in that makes you quite anxious when you're, um, when you're doing this, scribble it down, you know? If you get an email from somebody cancelling something because of the COVID-19 pandemic um, and then you realise that you know this is another, another thing that you've lost, write down exactly what you're feeling and exactly what thoughts are going through your head at that time in your jotter. Um, and it gradually starts to build up a picture just, A, what's happening to you during the day, and B, how what's happening to you during the day is related to what kind of thoughts are going through your head. And that idea just starts to give you a picture that, you know, our mind is trying the best for us, but, you know, we can choose to react to how it is, Perceiving everything going on around about us, so that initial picture of just going, okay, let's just take time out this week to sit back and go, okay, I've had a rubbish day today. Normally, you would just encompass that into one phrase of, today was a rubbish day. But I bet if you actually looked at the detail, some parts of those days might have been quite good. Something nice might have happened. You might have got a nice text message or a nice, you know, had a nice lunch or something nice have happened. Or you know, that beer you cracked open at five o'clock was crisp cold and delicious and these, these small things tend to get lost in the bigger picture. So by writing all these things down yeah. and scrubbing them down, we're giving ourselves a picture of what's actually happening to us and once that's there, we can start to make a change.
2: Yeah, I feel like one of the ones that it's probably relates to the, I forgot the exact term that you used, the automatic negative thoughts. Yes, that's right. I feel yeah. like one that sort of relates to that is if, you, if someone sort of gets a rejection email like they send out their prices to potential couple, and then they get a message back saying, "Oh, it's too expensive. We're going to someone else." Or maybe they don't yeah. even say it's too expensive. Hmm. Then instantly, the sort of supplier is going to start thinking, "Is it my pricing that's wrong? Are my film's not good enough? Or is my photography not good enough?" Hmm. So yeah, I can yeah. can definitely see how that relates to wedding suppliers right there. Oh,
0: one hundred percent. You're right. That 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 initial. These initial thoughts are, are kind of things. Basically, it's, it's understandable. That of course, we should be disappointed. If, if somebody doesn't choose to go with um, you as a supplier, of course, you're going to be annoyed. Of course, you're going to be gutted. But it's what comes after that initial disappointment that can start to have an effect overall in terms of if you start doubting yourself, if you start you're know, criticizing yourself, I could have done better there. I could have made the, the quote look better. I could have offered a better service. You know, that constant criticism on yourself is what drives anxiety and and drives worry and, you know, creates a negative environment so that you're talking to yourself in a way that you would never talk to a colleague or a friend or a family member or um, anybody that you're close to, but you can talk to yourself just as harsh as you like. Um, So, yeah, in those situations where, you know, that email pings into your inbox or that text comes through your phone that's a, a disappointment, yeah, it's horrible. There's no doubt about it. But it's the compassion to say that, okay, I couldn't control this person choosing me. We don't know why they haven't chosen to go, go with me. I can learn from it and move on. If I self-criticize, if I fall down that rabbit hole of going, I'm no good. You know, some, some other competitors picked this up um, because they've done something better than me. I'm I'm rubbish at this. Why am I doing this? I should be doing something else. You know, those are the negative thoughts that just start to snowball and start to affect our actions and our emotions. And I mean that when that next email comes through or we're making that next proposal to send away to a client, we are, you know, already in that negative state of mind, just like the the mouse in the maze, we're already, you know, reducing our creative potential because we're criticizing ourselves we're under threat. Um, So it's just, beginning to recognise that that way of, of thinking. Yes, be disappointed. Yes, be angry, but don't be self-critical. It's this this idea that we should all be amazing all the time. Well we're not. <laughs> I was having this conversation the other day. Um you know, Greg, if I called you average, what would you say? So Greg, thanks. It was an average chat I had with you today.
2: Um I'm not too sure what I'd think of that, really, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: exactly, right? It's I, mean, a kind I of find of it
2: hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> I mean,
0: this is the thing. It's, it's a kind of um, uh, a thing that has just happened to society where being called average is a criticism. Yeah, And yet, mm-hmm. if we draw one of these bell curves, which looks at a population, 80% of us sit in that average part. You know, now yes, there'll be some things that we're really good at, some things that we're not good at. But generally speaking, most of us inhabit that kind of average area, and um, but we have peaks in in the bits that we're really good at. Um, not everybody can be that one hundred percent best person out there, that best florist, that best photographer, the, the best wedding planner, whatever it is. You know, at that point in time, we might not be that best person. We might just be the average person for your client. Um, and that's okay because if you try to chase to be the best that 100% all the time you are going to run out of steam and when you run out of steam you get exhausted and when you get exhausted that's the kind of a level playing field for kind of low mood anxiety all these kind of these kind of negative mental health conditions can kind of seep in um, in when you're vulnerable Mm. like
1: that yeah so would you say that these kind of bad habits can actually be a good thing for your brain to do as long as you acknowledge them and process the information to have like a positive outcome?
0: Yeah, in in terms of the thoughts, 100%, it's it's a fool's game to try and control your thoughts. So if you are having Mm -hmm. lots of negative thoughts when you get a setback in your business, you know, that's okay. These thoughts, you can't stop them coming in. And if you try to ignore them, they'll just grow in the background so yeah have the thoughts 100% can't do anything about that yeah but how you act on the thought afterwards knowing that thoughts come in is the key because that can make a huge amount of difference in terms of if you say okay that was disappointing now you know I know that I have a Propensity during these moments to feel sorry for myself and go and self-soothe by, you know, watching Netflix for three hours instead of doing the work that I plan to do at this time. So it's about recognizing that, okay, these conditions exist. This has happened. This is what I normally do. Having that small gap, can I choose to kind of do something slightly different um, than I normally do? The I'm, an anal- I'm mad for analogies, so please stop me if I have <laughs> to say too many analogies. But <laughs> <laughs> Go for it, go for it. I can't help it. <laughs> I can't help it. It's like if you, if you ride to work, if you ride to work across a wet beach every day, okay, um, on a bike, um, and your bike gradually starts cutting this deeper and deeper groove in the sand, eventually you're going to ride to work. And the groove's going to be so deep, you can ride to work without even steering because the bike will just steer itself and all you need to do is pedal. Yeah. If you want to do a different route to get to your work, you need a lot of energy to jump that bike out of the groove and start a new one. And most people, you know, a don't realise they need that that initial jump, or b are unwilling to make that first jump to make an initial groove. And do you know they've actually measured? <laughs> okay, what energy is required to make that change? And they've found a direct comparison, so you can test out tomorrow morning if you want. So, (laughs) it works better in the winter, this, but generally speaking, if you set your alarm clock tomorrow morning for 30 minutes before you need to get up, okay? Now, there is no reason for getting up 30 minutes earlier. You don't need to do it. It's just a case that you have to. The energy required for you to get your feet out of bed, get out of bed and actually get up, they've measured is the same amount of energy it requires to make these psychological changes to say, right, okay, I need to do something different about this. And that jolt of the bike up, that jolt of the legs out of your bed to, you know, go and um, get up for no other reason other than you've asked yourself to it. If you can manage that, then you've got the capacity to manage change when that rubbish email comes through or that client's been really difficult or you get a, a you know, a message that you weren't expecting. It's the same amount of energy required to say, okay, how do I act differently in this situation than before?
2: Yeah, that's a, that's like a really good sort of practical thing that everyone can do sort of tomorrow even. Yeah, Is there any absolutely. other sort of techniques yeah. or tips that people can do at home to sort of combat these negative thoughts or mm. things like that? Yeah,
0: absolutely. Um, a couple of really kind of good ones... Um, I find that if if any of your listeners, um, it's, and it's really common at this time. If any of your you know, your listeners worry a lot, you know, and it's right to worry, you know, you have a right to worry about, you know, your business viability, you know, how much work you are getting, how to keep people entertained. So there is a lot of things at, at this time to worry about. But a nice wee technique which I have found been really effective is to say that we can't help worrying, okay, but we can control when we want to do it. So a nice wee technique for your listeners, if you do find that you are worrying, is to say, okay, put aside 40 minutes in your day, Okay, actually schedule it in a calendar or write it down, and call it worry time. Okay, And basically during that time, during those 40 minutes, you're going to do nothing else. You're just going to sit and worry about everything that you have to worry about. Now, if you... um, can't remember all your worries for the day, then just have a wee pad beside you and just note down the worries as they pop up. If in the morning, say, you have a worry, write down your worry and say, you know what, at four o'clock, whatever, I'm going to worry about that then, and write down on the pads. So you know you're not going to ignore it, you're not saying it's to go away, but you're going to worry about it at that time. And you do that throughout the whole day. Um, And that initial period of just saying, okay, I'm going to do concentrated worry here so I'm not going to ignore any of these horrible thoughts going through my head in terms of worry, but for the rest of the day, I can get on knowing that I've got that time to do it. Sounds a bit simple and a bit silly, but amaz- has amazing effects because it frees up your brain to say, okay, you know, I will do this later. I have got yeah. time set aside for it. I will spend those 40 minutes worrying like I've never worried before, but for the rest of the time, I'm okay to get on with normal day-to-day stuff the other thing that i would really recommend is uh, mindfulness which i don't know if you've had much experience with mindfulness at all um, mindfulness
1: uh, as a as a as a concept or is this like a a technique that we don't know
0: about. As, as, a, as a technique, yeah. So mindful practice, um, it's all the kind of buzzwords at the moment. Everybody's talking about kind of mindfulness classes and mindfulness practice. But it's a, a set of exercises designed to bring you into the present. Okay. And what I would say yeah. is there, there's loads of amazing books out there. Um, one of my favorites, if, you're, <laughs> if your listeners are interested, is one called, I think it's um, Frantic. Frantic. Um, oops. I've actually got the name of it to hand. Um, it's by John Williams and it's called Frantic um, Finding Peace in a Frantic World or something along those lines. Oh, okay. mm-hmm. I'm sure you'll be able to look it up. But it's a really good kind of eight week program in mindfulness. But as a wee, simple wee mindfulness thing for your listeners to try at the moment, um, it's as simple as it's technique we call 54321. So during, you know, this evening or tomorrow or the day after, whenever you have a period where you're feeling either a little bit overwhelmed um, or, you know, a little bit anxious or worried or your thoughts are racing and you, you know, you're stuck in your own head, if you like. Just think five, four, three, two, one. Okay. Initially think of five things or notice five things that you can see right at that moment. Okay. So round about you in the room. Think of four things that you can um, hear, yeah? So really kind of sit there and think, hang on a minute, what what are four things that I can hear right at this moment in time? And then think, okay, three things that I can feel. So that could be as simple as, you know, your feet on the floor, clothes on your skin, et cetera, et cetera. Two things that you can smell. So, just have a big sniff and see if there's any sense that you can pick up. And then one thing that you can taste. Okay. So, that five, four, three, two, one is activating every one of your five senses, but it's activating them in the here and now. So, it's bringing you right into the present moment. And more often than not, if you're feeling anxious or worried or concerned about anything, you will either be racing into the future and kind of, um, you know, imagining a future that, that's not particularly nice, or you might be ruminating and looking back into the past and kind of thinking about your past, but you're not in the here and now. So that five, four, three, two, one technique snaps your brain straight back into the here and now, and it gives you maybe 30 seconds to just go, oh, hang on, I'm here, I'm now, I'm sitting at my desk, I'm, you know, sitting on the sofa, I'm, you know, doing you know walking the block etc but it's enough just to bring into the moment and remind you that everything that's happening to you is right here and now as opposed to further away Mm -hmm.
2: what's your thoughts on meditation apps are they similar to that sort of concept is that something yeah, so you'd recommend? Yeah, kind of
0: meditation apps. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mindfulness meditation is um, particularly like the type that we teach in CBT. Um, is all about basically taking something as basic as that 5, 4, 3, two, 1 and just training you to exist in the here and now and not let your brain fall into the past or project into the future. It's about just constantly letting it do it because our brains are 100% designed to shoot off into the past and present, but we draw it back into the, the here and now. And what these apps do, um, and there are loads of them out there in the market, some of them are free, um, a lot of the websites offer fantastic. A guy called John Kabat-Zinn kind of brought through Mindfulness to the Western world. He's got a great website with lots of free downloads that you can download, Um, all that they do is they just talk you through the process of maybe spending 10, 15 minutes, twice a day, meditative meditative practice where you sit and you train your attention to always come back to the here and now, regardless of where your mind's shooting off. And it can do it as much as you want, always bringing it back to this moment. And it's like a kind of gym for the mind, if you like. It trains your attention to kind of focus on the here and now. And once you get good at it with these apps, a lot of them will kind of talk you through different weeks. Once you get good at training that attention to snap back, no matter how many times it drifts away, you can then start to work on what's happening in the here and now in terms of just, you know, feeling compassionate for yourself in that moment, regardless of what's going on with you. And that's the kind of fundamental bit of mindfulness that, that really has a you know, they've the proven it, it re, not only rewires your brain, but it restructures it So different areas of your brain grow when you practice regular mindfulness. And these apps are sometimes a great gateway into, you know, using them um, and using mindfulness. But you can get classes, you can get books on it, there's CDs, you know. Um, so, yeah, there's plenty of it about, but I have seen some dramatic changes in people that have really, Taken on board mindfulness and thought. I am just going to try this because it it does lend itself well to that whole CBT philosophy of the, the here and now.
1: So, if anyone's listening out there and and thinking about this, and they're like, okay, th- this all sounds very well and good, but maybe they're thinking, well, how is me changing my mindset going to affect my business? Like, how how is business going to be changed for them if they start applying these techniques? Mm-hmm. People in the wedding industry
0: I should say, oh, totally, yeah, and you know more so than in any normal business, um, you are your business. Yeah? Your business exists as a sole trader mm-hmm. because of your passion, your enthusiasm, your, your drive to do something creative in the, in the industry. Um, so just like if you were a racing car driver, if you ignore the car, if you ignore the vehicle that propels you to get to where you want to, if it runs out of petrol, if it starts to rust and you do nothing about it, um, eventually that car's going to stop. And so as a sole trader, in terms of the experience that I've had working with sole traders, you know, it's so, so easy for people to, you know, look at their own needs last. You know, I'll get to that. I'll get to that nice break that I'm wanting. I'll get to that night off because I've got these things that I need to get done for my clients or you know, for my website or whatever. And constantly putting the important self-care stuff aside means that it very rarely gets done. Or if it gets done, it gets done over a short period of time. Um, And so you're not refreshing. So for those listening going, well, this all sounds fantastic and I'd love to do all this, but I just don't have the time at the moment and I don't see the connection. If you are putting as much energy into your own well-being as your business, your business will in turn, you know, Increase, and you'll be able to work more vibrantly in it. You'll be able to think more creatively, just like that mouse in the maze. You'll be able to really, um, you know, go to areas you might not have gone to before. If you're also saying, "I am just as important as my business," it's just as important to really, um, you know, care for myself and give myself the same treatment as I would care for some of my clients that, that want something. Um,
1: um, one thing I do hear quite often is how much um, people are doing stuff and uh, doing a little bit of research into it. Um, I, I want to talk about your thoughts about toxic productivity, just just for a minute, mm-hmm. and the effects that the like the idea that at this time of lockdown, if if you're not like writing a book mm. or creating like a whole lot of work that you're somehow Failing.
0: Yes, you're not. <laughs> okay, 100%. Part of the... <laughs> there you go, that's it, that's it answered. <laughs> no, but part yes. of... <laughs> moving on. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> it, it's a big issue, and it's a big issue that is growing and growing in society because we live in the this, you know social media revolution um, where everybody is putting their best picture forward. And a best example yeah. of that Anytime you're watching the news or watching a podcast or any, not watching a podcast, but watching a YouTube video and anybody's being interviewed, I can bet you won't find one of these interviews that doesn't have a bookcase behind them. It is, seems to be this mm. common trait of look, I read, I research, mm. I have information behind me. It's just across the board. Um, keep an eye on it for the next kind of a news channel thing you watch, CNN and MSNBC are particularly bad for it. I
1: definitely will.
0: (laughs) Bookcases everywhere. But (laughs) it it does lend this thing that I am self-developing. I'm doing something good. And we project what we want to project onto social media because it makes us feel good. It gives us a bit of euphoria, um, and especially in times where we need that lift. It feels good to self-promote online. The reality is that a lot of these people, I mean, there will be some people that are doing it without a doubt. And if you can do that, fantastic, keep on doing it. But for the majority of people, it might not be quite as rosy and productive as amazing as they are projecting out. Um, It's more kind of wish fulfillment as opposed to reality. As I say, some people, it will be reality. But for a lot of people, it will be somewhere in the middle. In these situations, especially in the situation we're in at the moment, just doing okay, just getting by is one hundred percent enough. Um, and if being product, uh, productive just for being productive, it's just going to grind away and wear down your resolve. Um, and you know, when we're stuck indoors at the moment, and there's you know worries and concerns and threats, and maybe your know, loved ones aren't well, we're all in very different situations. Um, but we don't have to be productive. It's okay just to get by at the moment because the world is just getting by at the moment. Um, It is transient. It's going to change. Things will get better. Um, But it it could just be a case of riding that through. One recommendation I would have is really limit your access to social media. If you do need it for your business, fine, but try to avoid things like Facebook, Instagram, all the like. Um, Or if you do go into it, To kind of browse, keep it over very short periods of time because it creates that whole atmosphere of people are doing great, people are being productive, I'm not, there's something wrong with me. Suddenly that negative cycle is ready to kick back in again. Um, So, yeah, Mm -hmm. it can be quite toxic, as you see. And my my recommendation was. Uh ignore it, realise what it is. It's a sales it's a shop front that people are presenting. You walk past any shop in High Street, the shop fronts look great, but you go in on a Thursday afternoon and you might find that a lot of the fixtures haven't been touched in ages or there's things that haven't been priced properly or stock everywhere. People put all their energy into the front and sometimes the, the back isn't as quite as rosy as that from the window. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I feel that's sort of it's got me thinking about there's a concept that I've sort of heard, I think it might have been Ariana Huffington that maybe mm-hmm. popularised it, or I'll do some research and put a link to some more concise information, but it's the idea of sort of removing the word busy from your vocabulary, because yeah. there's the idea that everyone sort of says, oh, how are you doing? And their instant answer without thinking is, I'm busy. Yes. When it's, you don't have to be busy. It's okay to be not always sort of creating stuff and just take time to sit back sometimes the word busy is used almost as a sort of internal excuse to not be present in the moment or to not do a task so yeah that your answer there got me thinking about that
0: sort of concept as well mm. yeah 100 percent. it's very much uh, um you know if somebody says they're busy it means they've got loads of stuff to do they're you know, this whole, I'm being productive. I, you know, haven't got a minute to myself. I'm just, you know, riding a wave or there's, there's so much going on, but I am working. You know, I am doing well. I am yeah. busy because I, I, I'm, I'm doing okay through this. And the worry is that you look at that and think, what am I not doing then? Because I'm not as busy. Um, and a lot of times you may not have an option to be busy. You know, work may have dried up. You know, you you may have enough pressures on you that are kind of drawing your attention elsewhere. It's okay to not be busy at the moment um, and to concentrate on just getting through this, you know, and making sure that you and your, you know, your loved ones and your, your business are okay to get through it. But okay is fine in this case. You know, we're, we're not looking for people to, you know, break world records and have the most productive um you know, month I've ever had because it's not realistic. And yeah, you're 100 percent right. That busy word carries with it so many connotations. Um, it really does. Mm-hmm.
1: Is it? Do you think it's our is it our responsibility then to be aware that toxic productivity exists and that what we might be putting out there is affecting other people? Is that our responsibility, or is it the onus of the person? who feels the toxicity part of that productivity does that make sense does that make sense yeah
0: yeah it's 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 a bit of both because obviously as a sole trader you know you need to present a very positive shop front yeah you need to show Mm. you know that you're being dynamic that you've got fresh content that stuff's coming through so to your customers yes that that kind of shop front is important because you are a shop um and, you know, I don't think you would want to kind of die down on that. If you've got the, um, the the strength and the time to be able to work to present that really amazing shop front, then yes, by all means, work through that. I would say personally, and it's just a personal opinion, mm. but I would say that fine for your customers, but when speaking to other suppliers or colleagues or peers or people in the industry or forums, that's when to actually... Just be honest, you know, and just, you know, not try and self-promote within that within that peer group because, you know, everybody might be feeling it, and even just toning it down mm-hmm. a little bit to say I've had a really tough day today. Has anybody else, you know, could be enough to stimulate somebody that's really struggling hard to go. Oh, that's okay because this person with this amazing website or these amazing posts is also having a bad day as well. Um, mm-hmm. And then on the other side. Noticing these shop storefronts and realizing that that's what they are—they're—they're they're not a reflection of reality. They're, you know, they're—they're they're trying to tempt people in. They're trying to impress people. Um, so, you know, not to worry too much.
1: Yeah, I've—I've I've noticed a few people putting out honest posts recently. Um and it's made me feel better. I have to say. But um, one question, I mean, you've already thrown a good amount of book recommendations at <laughs> <to> us <laughs> and, and to, to our listeners, but do you have any other book recommendations? Or
2: maybe or other maybe other resources, like a website or something?
0: Yes, yeah. Yeah, um, Yeah. A couple, well, depending on what... So I mentioned The Lost Connections by Johan Harry, an amazing book, really interested. Um, the mindfulness book is actually called Mindfulness, Finding Peace in a Frantic World, by mark williams and danny penman that's a great book i would highly recommend that for everybody it's it's really really good um if you suffer from anxiety or if you find that your um anxiety levels are really high at the moment another really good one which is more like a kind of dialogue as opposed to any kind of self-help book or any of that kind of stuff but there's a book called anxiety for beginners by eleanor morgan um which is a kind of person that writes about their experience of, of anxiety, and it's it's a great read. I would, I would recommend that. Um, in terms of websites, I mean, Mind the um, organisation has a load of, of good information on there. Um, just trying to think if there's anything else website wise. Yeah, I can I can fire over you a few links mm, that's before quite you post a few this. already. <laughs> <laughs> with some reading reading material. But, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we've got the spot. Yeah. And, <laughs> I know. I've I've just been uh, chastising everything for it, but I've got a bootcase behind me. <laughs> even though this is a podcast, <laughs> but, <laughs> I know. I know. In yeah. beach. <laughs> so I'm, I'm trying to. Oh, scan you're one Google. of those. <laughs> <laughs> my <ice laughs> <busy yesterday>, so. <laughs> um, I know. All my good oh, work.
2: So, Simon. <laughs> Simon mentioned that your website's not quite active yeah. yet. Is there anywhere yes. that people can go to check you out or to find out yes. some more information yep. about yourself, social media, or anything?
0: Um again, yes, I am I'm slow to the party, so all that will be coming um soon. Um, you know, I, I will be looking cool. to, to do a lot of that over the next couple of months. But certainly, yeah, the um my website um is called mindsmanage.co.uk. Um, there's only a front page there but i will be working on that um and you can email me at mindmanageuk um and i can send out advice or big sessions whatever you want um the organization that i teach within and also i um work as a therapist within is the glasgow cognitive therapy center and they have a web- website glasgowcognitivetherapycentre.com, which um you know, you can access. It's got information on there, and also links in terms of how to you know, get hold of a therapist. Um, and obviously, you can ask for me if you like. Um, but there are loads of others um, at different levels and different um, price points that, that can help with whatever you want help with. Um, so yeah, those are. Yeah. I, I realise that I'm quite slow to the party with this, and um, my wife, Kat, has um, you know is very good at this the side of things. So she's kind of taking me under her wing to uh, <laughs> teach me how to do this um, so yes it's watch this space <laughs> yeah. um
1: yeah so for those out there listening obviously andrew you you equated the the cbt as a, an mot for your mind yes. so maybe it's time that you got your mind uh, checked <laughs> so you don't get fined by the mind yeah. police <laughs> i don't know where that went. <on>.
0: oh my goodness Uh, but yes Andrew thank you very much for joining us uh, today Um, absolutely and if you need any information on certain topics you know I've got like reams of it so I can send us through um, your listeners are if there's a particular topic that they need support with just let me know and I can send you through information I've got lots of it perfect
1: okay great and Greg where can people find us
2: they can find us at Cinemate Films on Instagram cinematefilms.co.uk, all the usual places.
1: Yep, so feel free to get in contact with us about anything you want. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode and if you did, hit that subscribe button so you know when the next episode goes online. Please leave a review. That is a massive help in order for us to grow the podcast. But if you don't want to do that, absolutely fine. Maybe just tell a friend. However,
2: until next time,
1: enjoy your life. I see. Cats left us a voicemail. <laughs> yes, yeah, right. I'm gonna play this message, so hopefully you can hear it on the laptop. Okay. I think you. Can. So <laughs> you're on recording with him now because I can hear you next. While well, I can hear him sort of next door, um, talking to you. Um, but yeah, listen, guys. If he's talking all his shite, like don't put a podcast together. Like I, I totally understand. <laughs> Cause sometimes you know. Sometimes I have to tune them out. <laughs> I jest. I jest. Um, I hope it went well. Um, and I hope you guys are doing good. Yeah, so. Yeah, looking forward to hearing it. Obviously, if it's not shite and you don't want to put a podcast together because you just talked a load of nonsense. <laughs> I'm such a supportive wife, aren't I?
2: <laughs>
1: Brittle. <laughs> okay. Oh, I am definitely putting that at the end of the podcast.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you could, yeah.